0: Thanks for joining us today. I'm Becky and I'm a volunteer at Arlington Countryside Church. Here at ACC, we believe that wherever you are in your faith journey, you can experience new life in Jesus Christ. Today we are going to sing songs of worship and hear the word of God preached. Our hope is for you to participate in and experience the service in a way that brings you closer to God. Somewhere on the screen you're watching this, there are a few links. One of these is to fill out an online communication card. Before the end of the service, we would love for you to fill this out. It's important because it's the place for you to let us know about any public or confidential prayer requests or praises you may have. If you are new with us, we want you to check the box, I'm new here, so we can get you some information about our church and help you get plugged into our community here. Every Friday, our family pastor, Chris, sends out an email with Sunday school curriculum that you can use with your children at home. If you're a parent and you aren't getting these resources, but would like to, please check the box on the communication card. We'll make sure you get these resources moving forward. Today is Mother's Day, so I wanted to take a moment to wish a happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there. I realize that this Mother's Day is probably very different from any other Mother's Day you have ever had before. And beyond that, this season of mothering is truly exceptional. Moms who have young kids at home, I understand the challenges you have been facing as I have three kids myself. Yes, we love our children and I have often felt thankful for the extra time I have had at home with them. But that doesn't mean I am not tired, on edge, worried, and desperate for a couple of minutes of alone time too. Moms who have older kids at home, this brings different challenges. Maybe there is increased tension, maybe there is a real sense of loss based on what your kids and by extension, you are missing out on. Maybe you are connecting in new ways and are thankful for some extra time with your young adults. Moms who are quarantined away from your children this Mother's Day, I can imagine this day and these months have carried a lot of different feelings for you too. My own mother is a nurse working directly with COVID patients. All I want to do is give her a hug, but I can't. Mother's Day doesn't feel like it usually does. One thing I have learned during these last two months is that it is okay to feel all the feelings. Sometimes I feel them all in the matter of an hour, happy, sad, frustrated, lonely, you name it. God is a God of comfort, and I pray this Mother's Day, no matter what you are experiencing feeling, you feel his love. So happy Mother's Day to you. May you be filled with a peace that surpasses understanding, especially in these extraordinary times.
1: Being Midwesterners, probably most of us have had the experience at one time or another of getting our car stuck in the snow or in the ice. And your wheels are spinning, but your car is just not going anywhere. It doesn't have any traction. I can remember once my car was stuck and the wheels weren't even buried. There wasn't much snow, but my car was on a thin patch of ice and I could not get my car running at all. And eventually what we ended up doing was wedging some old blankets we had in our trunk, wedging them underneath the tires. And the the tire was able to pick that up and get some traction. And then I was able to move on my way. I use that experience as a metaphor for what can happen in our spiritual lives. We can all of a sudden get to the place where we're no longer making progress in our spiritual journey, but instead we're just spinning our wheels. It's not due to any lack of effort on our parts necessarily that we're not moving, but nevertheless, we just aren't moving, not making progress. The good news is there's no mystery at all about what we need to do to gain traction in our spiritual journey. It's the age-old practice of spiritual disciplines, that there are certain things we can do that will make the difference between going nowhere and really taking off. And so this is our fourth week in our Traction uh, teaching series, and I wanted to remind you uh, that as we use this term spiritual disciplines, uh, what exactly that refers to. So here's the definition by way of review. Spiritual disciplines are any activity that can help you gain power to live life like Jesus taught and modeled it. You need to hear this. It's super important you don't mistake what I'm saying now, okay? Uh, Spiritual disciplines, it's not about earning God's favor. You can't hear these uh, messages about reading your Bible and praying and these different disciplines and think, oh, well, maybe if I did those harder or if I did more of those, I could become a Christian or I could become a true child of God or God would love me more or I could finally earn my forgiveness. Nope. It's not the way it works, okay? We believe salvation is by faith. We believe that salvation is a gift of God that he gives to us and does for us what we could not do for ourselves. And so no amount of religiosity, of ritual rituals, of, of any religious practice would ever bridge the gap between us and a holy God. It's only through the sacrificial death of Christ and his resurrection and our simple childlike faith in him That allows us to receive the gift. And so don't make the mistake of thinking that, hey, I'm giving you advice on how to climb the stairway to heaven. Okay, that's not what this is about. The other thing I want you to know for sure is that this isn't about us manipulating God. That if we do these things, we earn brownie points with him and we're more likely to get our prayers answered or for things to go our way or for us to be shielded from life's problems. Uh, God can't be manipulated and that's not the purpose of these disciplines. Typically, there's a lot of different possible practices that could be labeled disciplines and they're typically categorized uh, in two different uh, categories. One is uh, disciplines of abstinence. Uh, where we refrain from something, and then others are disciplines of engagement, where we interface and and specifically do something. Uh, When we think of disciplines, most Christians tend to think of the two primary ones. They are Bible reading or Bible saturation, Bible engagement, and prayer. And so Pastor Chris, two weeks ago, uh, talked to us about Bible saturation. Last week, Pastor Simon talked to us about prayer. And those are the most basic important ones. Uh, They're the non-negotiables, the constants, the have-tos, if you really wanna be growing as a Christian. Now we're gonna be getting into some other disciplines that are more like tools. They're not, by and large, expressed commands, But they're options. They're different things you can pick up from time to time to help you move forward. Uh, And so we call them tools you can use. I give you the opportunity uh, recently to vote on what spiritual disciplines I would be uh, teaching on these next two weeks. And so we had about 63 respondents. That was good. And you voted and you set the agenda for this week and next week. And so today it's about slowing, the discipline of slowing and the discipline of sacrifice. And then next Sunday, we'll be covering submission and simplicity. And so interesting that all, the top four vote getters all started with the letter S. I don't know the significance of that. So today's slowing and sacrifice, next week submission and, sub, uh, and simplicity. So let's talk first about slowing. Slowing is a is a phrase that was coined by John Ortberg in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted. An excellent book, The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. I highly recommend it. And uh, I'm going to be straight up and say I'm borrowing very heavily from that work now. That book has really spoken to me and I wanted to share some of the insight there. Slowing, what does that mean? Well, this pandemic that we're currently in, in the shelter in place order that we're all following, it's had a silver lining for many of us. The pace of life has slowed down considerably. We no longer have a commute to work, or if we do have to drive to work, the traffic isn't nearly as bad. It's brought us, given us back a lot of time to our day. Uh, We have fewer appointments. Many of us have reduced hours in the evenings. We have no social obligations or church obligations of any kind. Our schedules have really been thinned out and we've been given the gift of time. But pre-pandemic, normally, Most of us live lives at breakneck speed. Uh, Life feels very hectic, always in a rush, never enough time. Our minds are fragmented. Our bodies are fatigued. And this is what John Ortberg refers to as hurry sickness, that life is just chaotic and just at too fast of a pace. We suffer from hurry sickness. It was Carl Jung, the famed Swiss psychiatrist, who was quoted as saying, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. And it's because of all the things that hurry can rob us of. What are some symptoms of hurry sickness? Do a little self-diagnosis right now, okay? See if you have any of these symptoms of hurry sickness. First of all, racing others. Do you ever find yourself playing these games? you ever pull up to a stoplight in your car, and there's cars in both lanes, and so you count how many cars are in each lane, and then you purposely pull into the lane that has fewer cars, or maybe there's just uh, one car in each lane in front of you, and then you size up the vehicle if it looks like a fast vehicle, or you size up the driver, and does that look like somebody who would drive fast or slow, and then you get behind the faster driver? I'm in a habit of doing that fairly regularly. Or you're in the grocery store, and as you get ready to check out, you scan across all the uh, lines, all the aisles, and determine which has the least number of people in it. And if it's all about the same, then you look in the carts and see how much stuff they have in their carts, right? And then we play the game of we keep track of where we would have been in other lines and we see if we get checked out before other people do. And, and it seems like most of the time we pick the slowest line, right? And we're always mad about the fact that other people are out the door and we're still in line, we should have picked another line. That's racing others. And I think most of the time that's a symptom of hurry sickness. Another symptom is that of constant multitasking, especially if you're in the car. I've seen people while driving applying makeup even shaving, eating, texting, reading, working on their laptops. If you're multitasking while you're driving, you definitely have hurry sickness. Hurry sickness can be seen when you're multitasking and as a result, you can't give your family your undivided attention. When your spouse or your child is trying to talk to you, you're still trying to knock out some emails or you're trying to do work of some kind. Uh, Studies have verified over and over again that multitasking is inefficient, that we're better off being singularly focused, and yet we have such pressure to get things done that we multitask all the time. A third symptom of hurry sickness is we desire longer days. How often do you think to yourself, man, I need more hours in the day to get done everything I need to get done? If you have that feeling fairly often, you're hurting from hurry sickness. And then lastly, and perhaps the most disturbing and worst symptom of all, is that you have an inability to love. Love always takes time. And if there's one thing that hurry does not have, it is time. And so as a result, people are an inconvenience. You have no time to help, No time to give a word of encouragement. You have no time to sit down, look a person in the eye, and give them your undivided attention and give them the gift of listening. You don't have time for it. A lot of us suffer from sunset fatigue, and that's where you come home at the end of a long day and you've got nothing left to give the people you love the most You're cranky, you're short with your family, you're tired, you just plop yourself down in front of the TV and you basically ignore your family. It's called sunset fatigue. And that's a symptom of hurry sickness, the inability to love. And so with that in mind, I want you to see the example of Jesus. Mark 6, verse 30 and 31. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Have you ever been so busy that you didn't even have time to eat? I've heard people say that before, and they almost say it like they're bragging. They almost... wear it like a badge of honor, that that's how busy they are. Well, Jesus didn't see that as virtue. He didn't see that as something that they should be proud of. Man, we're working so hard for God, we don't even have time to eat. Jesus saw the situation that they didn't have time to eat, and he gathered his ministry team and said, boys, let's get out of here for a while. Let's go off, find a quiet place, and we need to rest a while. Rest a while. That is some solid advice. surely there were still people who needed to be healed, right? It's not like Jesus had met the needs of everybody, so that's why he could take a break. Undoubtedly, there were still people who needed to be healed, demons that needed to be cast out, lessons that people needed to be taught, but Jesus understood the importance of getting away. And so, it's a hard truth, and I don't mean to burst your bubble, but I'm just going to say it, okay? Jesus is is unimpressed with your busyness. He's unimpressed with your busyness. And so if you wear that as a Christian saying, oh, I'm involved in so many things at church and at my kid's school and in different volunteer projects and I do this and I do that and I'm just so busy, Jesus isn't impressed with busyness. He's never called upon you to be busy. He's called upon you to be purposeful. So what's the cure to hurry sickness? Let me give you a couple of quick ideas. First of all, here's some challenges. Pick one of these, practice it the next week, see how it goes. The first is this, drive two miles per hour under the speed limit for the next week. I know right now some of you, your minds just went, right? You can't imagine that. But what if you chose for the next week to drive two miles per hour under the speed limit everywhere you go? Second idea, next time you're at the grocery store, purposely pick the longest line and get in it. All right? Challenge you. Put your fork down in between each bite. For the next few meals that you eat, whatever utensil you're using, spoon, fork, put it down for at least 10 seconds in between every bite. You're practicing slowing. You're fighting against hurry. And one of the most traditional spiritual disciplines to practice to overcome hurry sickness is finding solitude. Right? And that's just getting away by yourself and basically doing nothing. I love what it says in Luke 5, verse 15 and 16. It says, Now the report of his power, that is Jesus, spread faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. It's interesting that Luke, the physician, the doctor, is the gospel writer who specifically notes and points out that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. If Jesus found it necessary to get away, if Jesus found it necessary to practice slowing, I'm guessing it's a practice that should be a part of our lives as well. All right. That's our first discipline for now. I'll be back in a few minutes to talk about the other discipline of sacrifice.
2: When Dave and I were planning services and we were talking about the sermon being about slowing today, uh, it reminded me of this song. I've been listening to it for a while and it's been a great encouragement to me and a reminder of uh, how to be still before the Lord. And I hope that it's an encouragement to you. you.
3: comes to your presence, when it comes to your voice. I'm learning to listen, just to rest in your nearness. I'm starting to notice you are See what you see, Lord. I wanna love like you. Wanna see what you feel. Wanna see what you see. I'm not in a hurry when it comes to your spirit. When it comes to your presence. When it comes to your voice. I'm learning to listen Just to rest in your nearness I'm starting to notice You are speaking Open my eyes I want to see you, open my ears, I want to hear you speak, tell me your thoughts, what's on your mind, and I'll be your friend, I want to see through your eyes, want to see through your eyes. hurry, when it comes to your spirit, when it comes to your presence, when it comes to your voice, I'm learning to listen, just rest in your nearness, I'm starting to notice you are speaking, I'm not in a hurry. Comes to your spirit when it comes to your presence when it comes to your voice, I'm learning to listen, just arrest in your nearness. I'm starting to notice you are speaking.
1: Alright now, before I address the discipline of sacrifice. I wanna point out two other activities that could actually be very powerful disciplines for you to practice. These are kind of a couple of freebies, a couple of extras I'm just throwing in last minute because they were really impressed upon me this past week as I was praying about this and thinking about it. And to keep with our alliteration of S's, both of these begin with the letter S too. I wanna talk to you for a minute about strolling. Now, obviously I'm stretching it a little bit, right, to keep with the S alliteration. I'm talking about strolling, I'm talking about taking a walk, going for a walk. Now, not coincidentally, I thought of this idea while I was what? Exactly, going for a walk. But here's what I realized, that going for a walk is a perfect opportunity to practice numerous spiritual disciplines. I'm a walker, I love the walk, I walk regularly, and what I found is this, that when I go for walks, I can practice and normally do practice various disciplines, including solitude. I'm by myself. Silence. I've got nobody to talk to. It's just me and God. That I practice meditation. That is, I'm walking. I'm thinking about scripture that I've read or things that God's doing in my life. And I pray. I pray for my family, my friends, my church, the things that God is bringing to mind. And so as I walk, I pray and I'm practicing slowing cars are whizzing by me fast. People on bikes are going two, three times faster than I am walking. Even joggers are faster than I am because I'm walking. And so I'm practicing slowing. But in so doing, I'm noticing the wildflowers. I'm noticing the insects. I'm noticing the birds and so many things in the neighborhood and the trees, the buds and the flowers and the things you don't notice in a car, things you hardly notice on a bike. But when you walk, you see so much of nature. And so, I want to encourage you, if it's at all possible, man, take a walk on a regular basis. And when you do, you can practice many different spiritual disciplines during that time. And you're getting some fresh air and some physical exercise. It's win, 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 win all the way to practice strolling. The other thing that God placed upon my heart real quick that I wanted to talk about was the S word, sleeping, sleeping, The Center for Disease Control has found that one out of three adults don't get enough sleep. Are you one of those three adults? Do you feel like you don't get enough sleep? Sleep deprivation is huge. Now, you may say, Dave, what has this got to do with gaining traction in our spiritual journeys? How in the world is sleep a spiritual discipline? All right. My reasoning is simply this. It's hard to be Christ-like when you're sleep-deprived. Can I get an amen? It's hard to be like Jesus when you're extremely tired. When we are sleep-deprived, we're more prone to irritability, fear, anxiety, worry, depression, apathy, and, of course, fatigue. It's hard. We need to be reminded what God's word teaches about sleep, that sleep is a gift from God. Let me give you some quick examples. Psalm 4, verse 8. In peace, I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Psalm 127, verse 2. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. What a great promise. What a great encouragement. And then finally, Proverbs 3, verse 24. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly." Those are verses to mark. Those are verses maybe even to memorize if good sleep is a challenge for you. The truth is, the best investment that some of us can make in our spiritual development is to take a nap your family would appreciate it, your co-workers would appreciate it, you'd feel better about yourself if you got more rest. So are you having problems getting a good night's sleep, either falling asleep or staying asleep? I want to encourage you, get on the Google machine, okay? Google it, how to get a good night's sleep. Google it, how to uh, stay asleep. There's all kinds of great uh, resources out there and advice. I'm not going to take time to go through it, but folks, don't Underestimate the importance of a good night's sleep to your spiritual development. Some of you need to address this hardcore because you're severely sleep deprived. Okay. I don't know if that lands with you or not. I know over the course of my adult life, I've gone through periods of severe insomnia. And as a general rule, I'm a light sleeper and I typically don't sleep very well. So this is a constant battle for me. And I know there's some specific steps I really need to start taking. So I sleep better. So anyway, I don't know if that lands, but I wanted to just share that. Uh, Now, let's go back to the regularly scheduled event, okay? The discipline I was supposed to address, and in our final few minutes, I want to do that now. It's the spiritual discipline of sacrifice. Those of you who responded to the survey showed a lot of interest in this of sacrifice. I want to take you to Luke 21, a familiar story in Luke 21, verses 2 through 4. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Now, why in the world did this poor widow make such a sacrifice. I want to suggest to you the reason why is because she loved God more than herself. The only time you ever make a sacrifice for someone is if you love them more than you love yourself. And so we have to ask ourselves, following the example of this widow, do you love God more than you love yourself? Do you love others more than you love yourself? Now, she knew God loved her. She wasn't trying to earn God's favor. She knew God loved her, and she was not trying to earn God's love. She was expressing her love to him. So when's the last time you made a sacrifice of your resources on behalf of God or another person? You might have sacrificed your time and your energy, your money, a uh, physical possession of yours, but something where it cost you, it, it caused you pain, it severely uh, inconvenienced you. Dallas Willard has a great book, a classic called *The Spirit of the Disciplines*, and Dallas Willard says this: the cautious faith that never saws off the limb on which it is sitting never learns that unattached limbs may find strange unaccountable ways of not falling. I love that word picture he uses, the cautious faith that never saws off the limb on which it is sitting. When's the last time you sawed off the limb, the tree limb upon which you were sitting, where you just went for it? Now, not out of being foolish, or being thoughtless, but God led you. God specifically led you make the sacrifice for me or for this person, and you willingly did it. A number of years ago now, I had an acquaintance, a friend who was in ministry, and he had a family, and he came to me one day saying that his family was out of money. They had no money. Their kids had no food. Uh, he had to make a doctor's appointment in a nearby town. He didn't have any gas money and asked if there was anything I could do for him. And I remember, I think I had two dollars bills in my wallet. And that's all I had for like the next seven, 10 days till I got paid again. And at that time, we were living paycheck to paycheck and I didn't have any other money. And my kids, I had four young kids and, you know, I needed that money. And I had the sense God was calling me to give it to him, give the entire amount to him. And yeah, you could look at that and say, well, that was foolish on my part. That was a lack of wisdom on my part. And maybe normally it would be. But in this particular instance, I was convinced it's what God wanted me to do. And my heart broke as I gave it to him. I willingly gave it to him, but my heart broke because I was like, what am I going to do for my family? What am I going to do for my kids, you know? And I'll tell you this, without going into the details, my family didn't go hungry. God provided in ways that I didn't expect at all. And when we make sacrifices that are directed by God, God's not going to let us drown. He's not going to let us starve. He's not going to let us um, get ourselves in the trouble. But God will meet our needs in ways we would have never expected. Now, one of the most common ways that we can sacrifice regularly is with our financial giving. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3, Paul commended the Corinthians uh, uh, and, and encouraged them by the example of the Macedonians. And he said this, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, because there's nothing special about giving what you can afford, right? That's not sacrifice. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. That's called sacrifice. And they did it of their own free will. They weren't being manipulated or cajoled by a television evangelist or a pushy salesman or whatever. They were giving this abundant gift that they really couldn't afford to give. They were doing it willingly. And undoubtedly, a part of that dynamic was God was leading them to do it and they were being obedient. We have to be obedient to God's working in our lives. I don't think this spiritual uh, discipline of sacrifice is necessarily something that you and I should do every day or even every week. And I don't think it's something we normally plan. I think just circumstances come about in our life where God calls us to give a day helping someone, even though we really don't have the time at all to be giving to that person or to be giving money to a cause or to a project or to an organization or to an individual. And man, we need this money. It's not like this is extra cash laying around. We really need this, but hey, we're going to trust God and we're going to be obedient and just be generous and just do it. It's the idea of sawing off the limb that you're sitting on. And so That's the four tools that I want you to put in your toolbox, okay? These four disciplines we've covered today. And from time to time, pull one of these out of the spiritual toolbox, practice it, and see the difference it can make in your life. Slowing, strolling, sleeping, and sacrifice. Next week, we're going to cover two different disciplines of engagement. They are submission and simplicity. So be sure to join us.
3: I am holding on to faith Cause I know you make a way And I don't always understand I don't always get to see
1: But I will
3: believe it I will believe it As you make mountains move you make giants fall, you use songs of praise to shake prison walls, and I will speak to my fear, I will preach to my doubt, as you were faithful then, you'll be faithful now. I am standing on your word Calling heaven down to earth You will fight my enemies This will end in victory And I will believe it I will believe it You make mountains move you make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. And I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt as you were faithful. songs of praise to shake prison walls and I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then and you'll be faithful now you make mountains move. you make giants fall you use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt. But you were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. Oh, you were faithful.
0: As we worship now through song and the teaching of God's word, we're now going to continue in worship through the act of giving. If you would like to give, please go online to acchurch.org slash give. There are also links on this page to give. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you that even though we can't be together in person, we can be together virtually. It's an amazing thing that even when we can't meet, we can still Worship you and come together as a church. I pray now for our offering um, that you would use these funds to further your name in Arlington Heights and the suburbs surrounding, that you would use them to strengthen our body here, and um, that the people who receive these funds would be blessed by them. We love you and we thank you so much for this day and um, just want to praise your name, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: I need just a couple of minutes of your time. I want to encourage you and challenge you. This shelter in place has uh, changed our routines, has disrupted our plans. But here's the truth our mission hasn't been canceled. We're still called upon to be reaching out, to be actively blessing those around us. Now we can still do it during shelter in place, but it's certainly going to look different. And so, I present to you nine tips for doing outreach during shelter-in-place, as created and presented by the Outreach Influence Team of ACC.
4: Begin with prayer. If you're like me, you have a bit more extra time on your hands now that we are sheltering in place. If that's the case for you, I would encourage you to spend some of that time deepening your prayer life with God even more. Use some of this time to ask Him to soften your heart for the lost, and also pray for your friends and family who do not yet know Jesus Christ.
2: Share your story. During these times of uncertainty, many conversations revolve around how people are coping. I've been able to do outreach during the shelter-in-place by sharing the sense of peace I have from knowing that God is in control, that He loves me, and He's always going to be with me. This is a great opportunity for us to let people know Um, the hope that we have in God and knowing that um, God when we have a relationship with him doesn't remove obstacles from our life but he does give us a guide to help us navigate through those
4: another way you can do organic outreach during this time is by doing a virtual eat together night what you can do is go on Zoom FaceTime, Google Hangout whatever it is uh, have uh, friends of yours uh, like we did the eat together night in January friends of yours eat food on their end you eat food on your end organic outreach offer help and ask for help put yourself out there as someone who can help with basic errands and grocery shopping you can do this on facebook and instagram or the next door app you could also just text your neighbors when you're going to the store to see if they need anything additionally you could ask for help the other day i asked a neighbor if i could borrow a tool to help with a car repair i was doing serving others and asking for
2: help when you need it are a great way to build relational equity and develop trust Remember who you previously had connections with. As people are struggling with loneliness and income loss, I think having a familiar face, someone that knows them, that knows their story, offer to pray for them will make a big impact on their life. So reach out to people that you know, reach out to people that you have had contact with, and pray for them. Be a good listener. Right now, more than ever, people want to be heard. Even those with families around them are feeling isolated and starved of relationships. Everyone has a story to tell, and they want somebody to be interested in hearing it. So ask some questions, and then just listen. You'll be amazed what you learn and how much it's appreciated.
4: Another way you can do organic outreach during this quarantine is to share ACC stuff on your social media. Like, check this out. If you go to the good old Instagram, can you see that right there? You can go uh, go to ACC's page. Let's say I'm going to share about traction. I can click that, boom. Add post to my story, AC Church, boom. Share to my story, done. If you want to do, you can uh, share the link to the services. It's always live.acchurch.org. You can share that on your story, on Instagram, on your Facebook, whatever it is.
1: Go for a walk. So my wife and I went for a walk um, the other day, and as we did, I noticed that there are a lot more people out walking around right now than normally we would encounter during a walk. And more than that, during this time when people really want to keep a distance, we found that most people really did want to engage with us. They wanted to say hi and have that short conversation. What I want to do is make an effort to have enough time on a walk to stop and have that conversation and engage with people that i'm walking by
0: during this time one thing we can do is to recognize our mission field has changed and accept it for me i work outside the home so it's relatively easy for me to find opportunities to share about what god is doing in my life and what he is teaching me now not so much But I have three kiddos here who need to hear this truth as well. So I'm trying to think of this time as an opportunity to focus on my kids and sharing my faith with them.
2: Thank you for joining us in worship today. And I'll leave you with this benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace and serve Him. All right, everybody, the moment you've been waiting for, the Worship Arts Pastors office. Let's check it out. So got a couple things missing um, doing work at home. Um, usually I've got my speakers and a couple other things on my desk. But um, let's start here. So this is my extra jean jacket. You can never have enough extra jean jackets worship leader rule number one. Uh, This is my yearly calendar. I just like to see the whole year at once. So as I'm planning, I can look ahead and see what's going on. Um, So it's good to be organized. Worship leader rule number one, be organized. Yeah. So like I said, a couple things missing off my desk. Usually I have some speakers and uh, my computer and keyboard and there's usually my acoustic guitar in here, but um, we're all doing the work from home thing, so took that all home. Um, above my desk, though, I have this really cool painting that my wife made, and then I also have a, um, a photo from a pastoral retreat in Montana that I took a few years ago. So that was the view from my hammock, so it was, it was a really beautiful trip, really good time. Um, here I have kind of my my reading corner Just the space that I like to be in um, Start my day in uh, Be in the word and, and be in prayer I've got a few devotional books up here From He Reads Truth That I really enjoyed I also have my coffee stuff um, Some coffee beans And a little single serve French press So I can just make myself one cup of coffee um, Yeah Gotta stay caffeinated Worship leader rule number one Uh, I sometimes drink it out of this cool mug that Elizabeth Carl gave me, gifted me from the uh, Starbucks Roastery, the reserve place in downtown. Um, Also have a candle. This helps just have good vibes, smell good in here. Um, Like to have that. So I really enjoy this little corner, this little spot of my office. Here I have this pallet wall to put together, just um, to be honest, just because it looks cool. And uh, it's kind of a nice background for photos or videos. A couple guitars hanging up. I also have a smaller book collection than Pastor Chris and Pastor Dave, but I'll get there someday. Um, This is a really good book, uh, Garden City. John Mark Comer. Um, it's about Sabbath and rest and work and purpose. So I'm going to leave that out, um, bring that home. told my wife about it, and she's going to read it. So have a few things other than books on here, um, including a wedding photo and a uh, little music box from my grandmother, uh, some sheet music of hymns, um yeah, I think that covers that wall. This is a bunch of stuff in storage and boxes there. Um and then we have this map here. Um this also was is from my wife. She helped me decorate my office. Um and it's just it's humbling to have to just look at sometimes where we're at and, and see how big the world is. And um I like to have that reminder here. So I think that you have seen it all. Oh, that's right. If you ever come and want to visit, you can do that. I have some Werther's here. So, um, yeah, if you ever want to come grab some candy, say hi. I'd love for you to visit. Thanks for checking it out.